Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the giving of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who came and was raised up for the sacrifice for our sin and was raised from the dead, that we may become citizens of your kingdom. We thank you for the Holy Spirit that seals us as such and your love that has made it so. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be only acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Jesus told a parable about a man who is walking in a field And while he was walking in the field, he found a great treasure. And upon finding this great treasure, he did what many of us might do. He ran home, he sold all his goods, and then went back and found and bought the field so that the treasure might be his. To those who were listening, he said, this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. The kingdom of heaven is such that when you find it, it is a great treasure and worthy of giving up much for. Are there things that you or I need to give up for the kingdom of heaven? So often we find that perhaps it is some part of our identity that we cling on to. The thing that we say, this is what makes us who we are. You probably don't know much about Maine culture, despite the fact that I've lived here. I've I've been pretty good about not inundating you with that. But I think perhaps we're only second to Texas when it comes to state pride. I think they beat us, or at least they're much louder than us. If you're from Texas, I'm sorry. There are many more people. But it's such that... If you weren't born in Maine, your, your, your citizenship in Maine is a little bit questioned by everybody who was born in Maine. And if your parents weren't born in Maine, then that's still a little questionable. <laughs> well, I own land in Maine that I inherited from my grandparents, who they inherited from their parents, which was inherited and inherited, which was given to our ancestors for fighting in the Revolutionary War. If being a person from Maine, if being a Mainer somehow won won you an award, I would be a Mainer of a Mainer, (laughs) to quote St. Paul very badly. I had to give up my identity as a Mainer. It was a point of such pride that I think it got in my way at times. And the Lord said, well, he didn't say it, but he sent me out of Maine. And if I hadn't kind of let go of that thing that I held as pride, I wouldn't be here today, and I wouldn't have been obedient to the Lord in what he was calling us, me to. Perhaps there are things that you can identify that are like that. Things that we say, well, this is what makes us what we are. And it sort of of takes the place of your Christian identity. Now, being from Maine or Prescott, or wherever you're from, is a good and beautiful thing, but you are first called to be a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. First called to take pride in the fact that God has adopted you and made you sons and daughters and made you full citizens 
that can come to him as your king. Now you might be wondering, well, what does this have to do with anything? But this is what Nicodemus ends up wrestling with today. I keep wanting to say tonight because he went to Jesus at night. So if I do, just nod and smile like you're doing. But Nicodemus went to Jesus at night and he asks, says something. He doesn't even ask him a question. He goes to him and he says, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. For no one can do these signs unless God is with him. And this is our first introduction to Nicodemus. And he throws this question out, or the statement out to Jesus. And then Jesus has this long response that we'll get into in a moment. And then Nicodemus just sort of disappears for only about four chapters. And then he comes up back again at the end of chapter 7, I believe, when he's meeting with the other rulers. And they're kind of trying to figure out what to do with this guy, Jesus, because he's, he's saying these things and it's causing all kinds of trouble. And he's like, well, wait, wait. Like, why are we going after this guy? To which his, the response is, what, well, what, are you a Galilean? Are you a Galilean as well? And that, that would be kind of like saying, I really want to make fun of a state, but I won't. But like saying, you know, are you some backwater hick? Like, why would you think this? You, you should know better than that. And that's then we don't hear about Nicodemus for a long time. But you can see that something is going on with this man, this ruler. Something is going on with him. And then he comes back in chapter 19 after Jesus' crucifixion. And he, with Joseph of Arimathea, prepared Jesus' body for burial. And by then... It doesn't explicitly say that he was a follower of Jesus, but I don't know that you bring 45 pounds of spice to bury somebody if you don't love that person very much. And so by then, you've seen this shift in Nicodemus, and he most likely had to leave behind this thing that he had worked so hard for for his whole life in order to follow Jesus. Because as we know, the rulers were not so keen on Jesus' message. And so we have this transformation, and we meet Nicodemus this morning as he goes to Jesus, and he says to him those flat phrase, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. But Jesus' response is really strange, right? He, he doesn't go like, yeah, thanks for, check, for getting that. He doesn't, he doesn't respond to that, we think. Instead, Jesus answers and says, Truly, truly, I say to you that unless you are born again, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And if we're just reading this really quickly, we're probably like, that was weird, Jesus. All right, I'm just going to keep reading. But I think what happens here is Jesus sees the heart of Nicodemus, sees the heart that Nicodemus is longing for that kingdom of God. And perhaps Nicodemus doesn't want to ask him about it. Perhaps he's too shy. We have no idea why Nicodemus just didn't ask him flat out and instead of kind of beat around the bush. But as Jesus often does, he sees the heart and he calls out what Nicodemus really longs for, which is that kingdom and Nicodemus says to him what any of us might say if somebody said, well, you need to be born again, which is, well, I'm old. 
how can I possibly be born again? I mean, like, that, that's physically impossible. And Jesus answers, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. We must be born again through these two means. We must be born of water that is baptism. Baptism which represents our death and our resurrection, our being put to death from our old self and our rising to new life. Baptism which reminds us every time that we see it that Christ has come and called us to that new life. Now, as you know, perhaps we are a minority view in Arizona in that we are not Baptists. <laughs> we instead baptize infants. And the objection is, well, you know, there hasn't been a confession of faith. To which we say, well, we believe that God is working in this, regardless of what happens. But furthermore, it's not enough to confess that I want to die to myself once and then go merrily on your way. The monks of old, I think, are my favorite example of this. They would actually, as part of their rule of life, as part of their prayers, would pray basically a little funeral every night and remember that they were raised in Christ every morning. And so it would be that reminder to them again and again and again that you are called to die to yourself and be raised again. And of course, St. Paul writes about this in his epistles. We were called to lay ourselves down and to be raised every day in Christ. And so when we see somebody baptized, whether it's somebody who's new to the faith, or whether it's a small child that a parent brings in and says, I want my child to be raised in the faith, it is a reminder of our call today, tomorrow, the next day, to die to our flesh, to crucify our flesh, and to be raised in the Spirit. Which brings us to that second part, which we must be born of the Spirit. And the Spirit is a seal. We recognize and remind ourselves of this in the order of confirmation. It's an outward sign of what the Holy Spirit is already doing in all who believe, which is sealing men and women as citizens of the kingdom of heaven, which is saying, you belong to Jesus. You are his and no one else. And so we are born of the water, born of this death and resurrection, and born of the Spirit which enlivens us in new life. And these things make us citizens of the kingdom of heaven. And in being citizens of the kingdom of heaven, we are given new things. We are given a new identity, a new allegiance, a new song, and a new life. A new identity in that we are now first and foremost citizens of that kingdom. You know, like, I've moved around several times now, as you know. And each time I move, I get a new little license, and they do all these things. And if I tried to go and vote in Maine now, I, I would be arrested, because that's very illegal, as it turns out. Now I can only vote in Arizona. I also pay taxes in Arizona, and I don't have to pay taxes in Maine, except for on land, of course. But, <laughs> but you don't have to pay on your income in states that you don't live in. It's the same as when you become a new citizen in the kingdom of heaven. You have new rights and responsibilities, like your right and responsibility is to go vote. And you have new privileges to vote and to live here. But you also have those responsibilities like paying taxes and caring for your neighbors. 
Just as you have a new allegiance, you now are part of Arizona. You live here. This is where you call home. Hopefully, if you see trash on the side of the road, you pick it up. You care for the place that you live. Likewise, you care and you're aligned to the kingdom of heaven. You are also given a new song. As citizens of the kingdom of heaven, we're invited into that song which we heard read from Revelation this morning, which never ceases. It is going right now. Those angels that we heard of, that wild vision that St. John had, are currently singing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And we are invited in to sing that song. And we do sing that song every time we come to the Lord's table. When we sing holy, holy, holy in the sanctus before communion. And finally, we are given that new life. Life of one who is redeemed and brought into the kingdom of heaven. But then Nicodemus asks, how can this be? <clears throat> and Jesus responds with a, with a fairly long response, but the crux of it, is, is in, of it is in verse 14 and 15. And he says, And as Moses lifted up the servant in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. As we pray through the service, you perhaps hear this funny word, propitiation. <laughs> try saying that one ten times fast. Yeah. Don't try saying it ten times fast. <laughs> it's not worth it. But it's one of those theological words that we sometimes just kind of glaze over and are like, well, Jesus is the propitiation for our sins. That's great. And we never really talk about what that is. But that's what he's saying here. He is saying, it is through my lifting up on the cross that I am the propitiation for your sins. That is to say, he takes upon himself our sins. The moment on the cross is the moment in which all of our sins were put upon that cross. Christ has taken the penalty for that. And so in Christ's death and resurrection, we are called to die to ourselves, to die to our sins and be raised in him. Christ has made it possible that we might live, that we might enter into the kingdom of heaven, that we have a high priest at the right hand of the Father who takes our prayers and offers them before him. And so in that, we are welcomed into that kingdom and sealed by the Holy Spirit. I mentioned in the announcements that today is sometimes called the, or some of my friends punctually call it, material heresy trinity. And that's because we come out with all of these really bad ways of trying to explain a mystery that is well beyond us, other than the fact that the trinity is three persons undivided in substance. And that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> But we can see that our entrance into the kingdom of heaven is made possible by the Trinity. It is the love of the Father that sent the Son. It is the love of the Son that died upon the cross for us to make that entrance into the kingdom of heaven possible. And it is the sealing of the Holy Spirit, much like the little seal on your driver's license that says, this person is mine. 
We are sealed by the Holy Spirit because we are citizens in the kingdom of heaven. And that is the good news of this, of this passage. That is the good news of Jesus Christ. As I wrap up this morning, um, I want to talk about next week. Next week, we're going to start something that I think will be quite exciting, but is directly relevant to our passage today. Like we did a couple years ago where we traveled through the Psalter and explored what the Psalter tells us about who God is, his nature, how we worship him, invites us into different types of worship. This year, this summer, we're going to travel through 1 Peter. This Past, this series will call, I'm calling Dear Exiles because Peter starts his letter, his first letter, as Dear or to the Exiles in Dispersia. And I find this to be a particularly pertinent letter because, to a certain extent, we now live in a post Christian world. We don't have to like that, but the reality is true that now that less than 50% of people in our country attend church, I think that we can safely say that, yes, this is now post-Christian. But Peter writes this letter to the, to the exiles about how they should live in a place that is hostile to them. Perhaps the hostility for us will simply be that people call us funny names, or perhaps we'll face hostility such that they faced, which was far, far worse. But nonetheless, the reality is we live in that new reality, and I think First Peter will help us to see how to live in that way. To live in a way that glorifies Christ, that we may live as exiles and that are citizens of the kingdom of heaven. So I'm very excited about that. I think it will equip us nicely if we listen to what St. Peter had to say, and that we will live out faithfully to God's glory. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost.